Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Alternative podcast, the only podcast out there that gives you the best in alternative music and the best in alternative or not so alternative golf betting tips. Uh, we had a week's hiatus last week. Uh, my name is Martin Matthews, by the way. Um, we had a week's hiatus last week, in case any of you have forgotten what my name is. Uh, Sawgrass, the Players' Championship, the weather, everything, for want of a phrase, screwed us up. So sorry about that, but we're back with a bang this week um, to talk about uh, last week's action at the Valspar. We might even talk about the players and, of course, to talk about the match play uh, this week's big event. And delighted to say the gentleman who was going to join me last week uh, is now with us this week. Um, really appreciate you making the time. And it's a welcome back to Dave Tyndall. Um, Dave, good evening. How are you? Yes. Hello again, Martin. Uh, Honoured to be uh, the first repeat guest, which suggests it's going quite well. It, it um, is, and um, yeah, it's uh, an honour to have you back on again. It's, uh, uh, gosh, how many weeks it's been now? Uh, sort of set seven, eight weeks. A, a, lot's, a lot's happened since then. I'm going to ask you about your century break at snooker in a minute, because that's happened since then. I know that, but um, uh, plenty has happened in the golf world. But um, uh, how have you been keeping anyway? you keeping well? Yeah, all good. Um, not going so well on the uh, outright tipping, I have to admit. Um, although I did have the, uh, the first-round leader, a piece of the first-round leader, winner last week when Adam Hadwin, I think he held a 23-foot putt to tie for the first-round lead. Um, it was with three others, but they all count, and obviously you get the full each-way section of that. So, yeah, it was nice to get a first-round leader winner up because it's a funny old market, that one. Um, at times you think, why am I even doing this? It looks impossible. <laughs> but uh, occasionally you can get pick the odd nut out um but yeah the outrights aren't, aren't going so well so i'm, I'm hoping um this might be my lucky tournament again yeah because you um you had um i mean obviously we'll get to, we'll dive into the match play in a minute but uh um from memory i think you uh struck gold with billy ho last year if i'm right in saying yeah it was uh 70 to 1 last year billy horschel um so i've tried to you know when you sort of stumble upon a winning formula i don't know if yeah, yeah. i have particularly but <laughs> I certainly did some research into what what's needed or or how much importance to put on the on the seedings, which I'm sure we'll come to. And and yeah, uh, Billy Horsell did fit a few nice boxes criteria last week. So hopefully, I found this year's Billy Horsell. I'm not going for the same Billy Horsell. He's yeah. 28s now and said 70s, so can't be doing that. Yeah, no, I must. Have, well, I mean, I've not gone with him, but um, I did. I did give him a look because he's obviously his form's been um, uh, pretty good of late. So, and uh, yeah, as you say, he uh, um, he obviously showed he knows he's uh, way around Austin Country Club last year, anyway. So, um, but uh, so it's not. Uh, I mean, well, the first round leaders. Uh, Obviously, nice to get in, as you say. It's not, uh, to be honest, it's not a market I tend to dabble in, other than that the the majors or maybe at TPC. And I, I, I my record in it's awful, which is probably I don't I tend to not dabble in it. But it's obviously a nice feeling if you can get some joy and the pressures the pressures off on a Thursday. Um, so uh, well, well done for that. We've we've, we've had win. I tend I tend to have a knack, and this happened to me at TPC actually, of um, tipping the player in the first round who ends up coming through and being more of a threat in the last round. So it was uh, Sepp Stracker for me was my pick for first round leader. And uh, uh, I think he ended up placing possibly or getting a share of a, a, a place. Um, so, uh, yeah, that sums up my my record at, at, um, at first round leader market. So, um, so I mean, I don't know whether we should cast our mind back to, to Sawgrass, but that was a, a, a wild week. Um, no, Any joy there for you at all? Was Cam Smith on your radar at all? No, I think he was... 
a sort of price that I thought wasn't giving much away. We might have to recalibrate what we think about Cam Smith now and what sort of prices we're used to seeing on yeah. him, whether they need to be updated, because he's clearly gone up a notch, hasn't he? He has, yeah. He's, uh, I mean, I think... Um, Not seven notches. Yeah, I think it was... Um, Ben Cody said he was something like third favourite um, in the, on the exchange market for the Masters or something after, you know, literally the, the day after, which uh, I, I can't quite see. I mean, obviously he's got a good Augusta record, but I wouldn't be um, putting him as um, third third favourite, but uh, I'm sure that market will write itself over the next uh, couple of weeks or so. But um, yeah, so I mean, that was a, a wild week. Um, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So once he got going, I mean, it was very frustrating initially, and of course so it screwed everything up for this last week, but uh, once he got going on the Sunday, and um uh or the late on the saturday into the sunday it was uh uh thoroughly entertaining i thought with the with the weather looking to see them um you know sort of shake their shots and that round of jt's was obviously uh, uh incredible and bubba but um but we moved on and it was the valspar so um uh sam burns going going back to back uh quite a performance um what was your what was your take on that uh did you think uh um, going into the weekend, did you or going into Sunday? Do you think um, Davis Riley was going to get as close as he was, or were you like me, expecting him to sort of tumble away a little, and it be between JT and um, uh, Sam Burns? Yeah, I must admit, I, I did like yourself. I, I write a final round preview of, of most PGA Tour events, and I thought Riley and Naismith were the two that that might um, just get overhauled by the two behind them. I did actually go with Thomas in the end, who. Given that he finished one back, it was frustrating, wasn't it, that he didn't have enough in the tank to 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 get over the line. It was, um, yeah, he, he'll look back at you know that six on the par five and other other shots that he he missed. I mean, he was unlucky on the last when he didn't have yeah. a shot at the bunker. But yeah, no, I was I played. You mentioned snooker. I, I played snooker with Ben Coley again this morning because um, we're both live pretty near each other, so we do have a regular yeah. Monday morning game. And we were talking about Davis Riley and just how good he, he could be. Like yeah, ben, yeah. ben had put up a, a tweet about um, Will Zalatoris saying that he'll be a top 10 player in the world. Mm. I don't know, a lot of people say that about a lot of players. But he's got yeah. a swing, hasn't he? He looks the part. Oh, he does. And then you sort of look at, um, you know, how he performed yesterday. I mean, yeah, that was a superb the way he came back obviously from from the snowman on the fifth because uh, yeah. at that point you thought he was just going to shoot 77 or something and finish 12th or, or whatever but um, uh he regrouped incredibly well and he gets a lot of credit for that but uh, um i actually my my word of caution i tweeted out um afterwards that uh um, so we have Riley here, who uh, is obviously a, a can't miss kid, sort of uh, great amateur record. Um, uh, you know, come and uh, won twice on the Corn Ferry last year, uh, moved up um, into the big league fairly seamlessly, and, and looks like uh, he's going to take to it. And surely it's only a matter of time before he goes one better and gets the win. But uh, mm. uh, my, my two words of warning were Bo Hostler, <laughs> because uh, um, obviously I was on, I was on Bo Hostler when he got by Poulter in the pie off and I think everyone at that point thought well you know same thing he was a stellar amateur you know led the US Open at the age of 17 or, or whatever and surely he'll just go on and win one and everything will grow great from there and um, of course it hasn't done so uh, so I don't think it's a given that Riley will you know push on and get the win but uh, yeah he, he was mightily impressive obviously um, yeah so um, yeah given that this is a uh, golf and music podcast I, I thought you might have been inundated with 
lightning seeds seeds fans and a life of riot <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it was certainly on, on, on the list. And um, yeah, it's, uh, a few people mentioned it uh, in, in advance. It was the obvious one. I actually got had it in me, uh, in, in my notes about, uh, you know, if I ever tipped him, I'd be putting that song on. So yeah. uh, um, it, it's the obvious one. But um, uh, yeah, but from, from my point of view, you mentioned, um, I'm sorry that the, uh, the coin toss fell my way, not, not yours, but uh, you, you mentioned you put JT up. Um, I obviously, you know, I do my final round column for Sporting Life. Uh, and um, I actually went with Burns, so um, that was that was my saving grace. And it purely was a price thing because I just couldn't. I thought one of these two will win, and I can't split them. Yeah. Um, and Burns was seven to two to JT's nine to four or whatever. So um, uh, it was purely the, the, the price that led me to Burns, and um, uh, that was my saving grace on the week because my, my last couple of weeks have just been sort of Sunday or Monday in the case of Sawgrass frustration where. Uh, the people I've got, uh, you know, in the frame, uh, just tumble on the final day. So I had um, Lowry, Oosthuizen, um, and Berger um, all in with a chance uh, at Sawgrass, uh, and all tumbled out of the places basically on on the final round. Um, I had um, this last week. I had Merritt uh, and Fitzpatrick in the places going into the. Um, final round and uh, although Fitzpatrick got the full place uh, Merritt would have been the bigger prize at 150 to 1 for a place and uh, he, he had an absolute shocker drop something like five shots in five holes on the front nine or something so uh, um, so the Sunday column was my saving saving grace because um, uh, I had Burns there and also had a nice two ball bet I put um, Strillman up to beat Tommy in the two ball Tommy Fleetwoods and that uh, came in so that was uh, the saving grace on what was an otherwise slightly frustrating week albeit um, a place with um, fits uh, but um, yeah we're obviously all about the music here as, as you say and um, I believe you've got a song um, uh, partly dedicated to the man who um, bettered Riley's 62 with his 61 to start us off on the music front this week yes um, it works on a couple of levels so we've got Nesmith I mean I think you've I think you and I were tweeting the monkeys link a long time yeah. ago, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, Mike Nesmith. Um, but, yeah, um, we are also, obviously, last week, we were at the uh, Copperhead course. We so, were? I don't know. Have you ever seen the monkeys film Head? I haven't. I've got to be honest. It's um, pretty weird. It's not what you expect. It's quite psychedelic. It, it's when the monkeys were getting a bit frustrated about being portrayed as a boy band and a sort of cute you know sing-along lark about type of thing and they wanted to get a bit more serious i think that time when it came out sort of 1968 was um when things certainly the beatles were going more psychedelic then so i think they wanted part of that yeah they started writing their own songs didn't they yeah, wanted to write right. their own songs and whatever yeah, so they wanted a, a piece of the pie there to sort of go with the zeitgeist of where things were going. So, yeah. they, so they they made this song called he so they made this film called Head. You can yeah. actually watch it on YouTube for free. It's like an hour and a half, but it's it's pretty right. quite weird. There's you know there's bits where whereby we think of the monkeys maybe sort of riding um, bikes into the sea and jumping up and doing funny. <laughs> Know, patting each other, doing sort of somersaults through each other's legs. Yeah, this is very weird and trippy, and 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 the opening sequence it, it features Mickey Dolan's falling out of the sky in slow motion. It's really oh, okay. Cool. And the song they're playing at the time, um, which is kind of like the theme music, Ted, is called 
the Pauper's song. It's quite a trippy, it's, it's quite sort of Beatles trippy era, but it's okay. a song I really like. And it, yeah, you see Mickey Dolan's jumps off this um, sort of platform. He's been chased mm -hmm. and then he sort of floats through the sky and, and he seems slowly spinning. And then just before he hits the water below, obviously yeah. special effects weren't very good in, in those days. So you see this ridiculous dummy of Mickey Dolan's, which clearly, you know, it doesn't look like a person at all. So they, they sort of cut that into the sequence. <laughs> and then he lands in the water and then he goes underground and it all starts turning sort of multicolors and everything. But yeah, in that film, there's, there's little nods towards the Vietnam War. There's all sorts going on. It's just weird. Okay. It's an enjoyable watch if you've never seen it. I, I shall, well, it's intriguing. I shall give it a watch. So, uh, yeah. Um, talking of psychedelic, by the way, if, um, if uh, uh, any any point when you're listening back to this pod, guys, there's a um, uh, any kind of psychedelic, trippy-sounding noises coming from mine or Dave's microphones. We were having a bit of a technical difficulties beforehand, and um, um, so we plug. I'm not even going to try to get technical and say what we've done, but I think we've just plugged in some different leads in some different sockets, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so if there's any uh, sound issues um hopefully it's sounding good from mine and hopefully from Dave then but uh, any if you can hear us, if you can hear us talking backwards and you can hear the words the <laughs> yeah. devil is good then something's going weird yeah that would be very weird so um right okay so let's move on anyway let's get into uh this week's action and it is match play week so um the WGC Dell Technologies match play to give it its full title um and um it's obviously been through a few different formats and uh, uh, ways of trying to make it more interesting. And um, we now have a setup which seems to work pretty well, I think, and the course to me works pretty well as well. Uh, we're now down in um, at TPC Austin uh, in Texas, uh, and um, it's a, a peak die design. So we'll come on to the peak die angles in a second, I'm sure, because um, there certainly has been some uh, connections with the winners uh, and. Um, Pete Dyer here uh, over the years, uh, or other Pete Dyer courses, I should say. Uh, but um, we're now, as I'm sure most listeners will know, we're now in a situation where we have 16 uh, groups of four, uh, 16 seeds. Uh, everyone plays everyone over the first uh, three days, and or everyone plays everyone in their group, um, three matches, obviously, over the first three days. Uh, and then, basically, the 16 group winners go through, and assuming it went to plan, you know, one playing 16, two playing 15, and so on, so forth. So, uh, as I say, it's a peak die design, um, TPC Austin. Uh, from that point of view, of course, you can um, draw on form from other peak die tracks, um, Sawgrass being the obvious one, um, TPC River Highlands, and then um, uh, the other that gets uh, partly used in an event is uh, the stadium course over at the Amex. Uh, Bermuda Greens, uh, and um, I believe the length of the course is around 7,100 yards, so it's not a particularly long course, and of course a lot of the holes get set up to make them drivable. Uh, it sits on the banks of Lake Austin as well, so wind can be an issue, as I believe it was last year. I can remember Billy Horschel battling in, in, in the wind. So um, uh, it's a long, old week. So stamina is certainly required. I think if you're going to win it, you've got to play um, seven matches, is it, Dave? Yeah, seven matches. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I think um, stamina, and that's something that I've factored into my uh, sort of equation um, uh, as well this week. So, um, 
how do you tend to approach this, Dave? Because I'm going to bow to you as someone who's, uh, I don't think, picked the winner since, uh, or got close to picking the winner since uh, uh, Scott Scott McCarran lost in a playoff to um, Kevin Sutherland. So that's uh, that's how far back I'm, I'm going to go since I last got close to picking the winner in this. Um, how do you tend to approach this? Are you studying the draw and working on the draw, or are you just thinking this is who I like and sod it, they're going to have to beat the best players to win anyway. So what, what what's your angle on this? Yeah, so what I do is I, I put on a white lab coat, get some Bunsen <laughs> burners going and some glass jars bubbling, and then I write the numbers 1 to 64 on bits of paper, put them in a hat and draw them out. It's not quite as bad as that, but sometimes you feel that's, that might yeah. be the way to, um, to do something. No, I, I'm, I do... Yeah, I don't put a white lab coat on, but I do try and do some sort of science uh, with mm. it. I either look at um, how the seeding has, has played out over the last five editions or, or the five editions at Austin Country Club just to see uh, where, you know, where, where, where these seeds actually end up. And, and if you, so if you think about it, so there's quite a few firms or a few firms who are playing eight each way places this year, yeah, which means if you get to the quarterfinal, you, you know, you've won kind of mm. thing. So there's been five editions, which means there's been five lots of um, eight players at quarterfinalists, that is. And if you look at the seedings, the breakdown of those 40 players, so how do they, you know, what quantity of, of the 40 that do they account for? So seedings 1 to 16, 12 players out of the 40 have made the quarterfinals have come from that bracket from 1 to 16. From the seeding group 17 to 32, 11 players. 33 to 48, 8 players. 49 to 64, 9 players. So it's only just only just the 1 to 16 seeds mm. have shown that they are the better players in this format on this course. And I think last mm. year, John Rahm was the only top 16 seed to make the last eight. So yeah, it's, it's, you really do have scope to look beyond those obvious names. Yeah. And, you can, and there's absolutely nothing wrong as well in looking right down at the, at the bottom end, 49 to 64 mm. seeds. Because you do yeah. get them coming through. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's a, that's, a, that's a very good point. And the last couple of winners here, uh, whilst, um, you know, they're certainly uh, quality players, they're certainly not, um, uh, you know, players who would be considered right at the top top of the elites of the game, if you like, you know, your arms, your Thomases, um, uh, Kepkas, etc. cetera. Uh, I do wonder how much the fact that we're only two weeks away from Augusta now factors into that as well. I mean, you know, of course, you, you get the old mantra about um, not necessarily backing the, the biggest names in the week right before Augusta. You know, they're sort of teeing it up and um, uh, tinkering with their game and stuff. But uh, we're now only a fortnight from Augusta. And, um, uh, I mean, to, the right word's not taking it seriously because, of course, they're taking it seriously. But um, uh, the focus is more about sort of getting the game in shape for a couple of weeks' time. Do you think there's any sort of correlation in that and the fact that we've had sort of, you know, Horschel, Kisner, et cetera, winning the last two editions? Or, or do you think just that's coincidence? No, it, it all plays a part. But I don't think there's one any one reason why we have this more kind of wide open feel to it. I think mm. there's certain bits that feed into it, but Augusta is one of those. I think yeah. if, you were, if you were a big favourite for Augusta or one of the top five, I think you'd be happy here 
maybe playing well but getting knocked out in the last 16 so you don't yeah buy yourself out so mm. yeah I, I think that they are worth taking on the the leading players i really do so it's not it's certainly not an event where i'd look to pick anybody at mm. say below 33 to 1 that i don't think is any point yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, well, that's pretty much where I am on my my, my shortest price pick, uh, the thirty three to one mark. But um, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I hadn't. Uh, I certainly can't claim to have analysed the seedings and who's got through in uh, the way you have there, Dave. So uh, uh, kudos for you on that, and that's probably why you had the winner last year and I didn't. Although to be fair, I did have Brian Harmon last year, so I uh, I made a bit of a profit. So I'm, I'm perhaps doing myself down slightly, but um, uh, and um, he was certainly tempting again this year as well. The way the way he's been going, so um, experience tends to be quite important here as well. Uh, I mean, of course, you can get someone like Scheffler who came close last year but um uh, you, you know we've had a lot of um winners here who have played i mean even horse i think was making his fourth start in the event um i think the stats that uh, came up for me when i looked at this um is that um we've had a lot of players uh, who have made a lot of appearances here, as I say, winning, winning this, um, until, again, uh, we've, we've got to sort of Horschel and Kisner. Um, it's been the domain of players who have played Ryder Cup or President's Cup. Uh, we've got um, there's certainly um, a Pete Dyer link uh, since we've been at, um, uh, obviously, um, I was calling it TPC Austin anymore. You corrected me earlier on. You corrected me. It's uh, Austin Country Club. But uh, since we've been at Austin um, Country Club, We've had, uh, I think, um, four of the five winners have uh, also triumphed on Pete Dye courses. Um, Billy Horschel had a great record at, um, or has a great record at TPC Louisiana, but won there both as a as a solo in the old Zurich Classic and also in in, in the pairs event. Uh, Bubba, obviously, TPC River Highlands. Uh, Dustin Johnson's won at TPC River Highlands, um, and um, Jason Day, of course, has won at Sawgrass. So. The only one of those who haven't triumphed on a Pete Dye course is Kisner, and um, he came very close to winning at Sawgrass. So, uh, so there's certainly merit in um, looking at Pete Dye courses. That's the other thing that um, uh, came up for me as well. So, weather forecast: uh, we've got a warm, sunny week, a dry, sunny week uh, in temperatures in the 70s, but the wind, um, I suspect, will be an issue on at least. Uh, two or three of the days again on the shores of um lake austin there um there's 20 miles per hour plus in the forecast on a on a couple of days um at least so i suspect that'll um uh, play its part uh the betting market um which um neither me or david touching the top end of um is uh john rahm just uh well him and jt justin thomas pretty much joint favorites um at uh 12s 14s um victor hovland uh you can get 18s on now um scheffler at 20s uh, Morikara at 20s, and then Dustin Johnson at 22s. Uh, might be a sign of the fact what you were saying, Dave, that um, people are rather wary of the uh, the short price uh, guys in this field, that um, pretty much all the market leaders have been pushed out um, over the last uh, couple of hours or so. I don't know if you'd noticed that, so maybe uh, people are swerving them. So, yeah. Yeah, they're probably, I can imagine the bookmakers are maybe struggling to take money on some of those at shorter prices. I was, I was discussing this with Ben this morning. We we were saying it almost used to be the other way and that they really did used to dangle prices on the on the big guns. Ben, I think, could recall Rory being 25s mm. last year or the year before. And you thought, well, you wouldn't get that in a normal event. 
if he's in any sort of nick. But uh, yeah, I must have, I must admit, I've not looked at odds check because I guess there's a lot of uh, red or uh, uh, pink, uh, crimson, or whatever the color is. Yeah, there's uh, uh, plenty of that there. So um, yeah. Um, right. So uh, I'll lead us off on the picks then because uh, I've um, I think I've gone with the uh, shortest price uh, player. So yeah, we've got. Um, Paul Casey is my first selection this week. And again, you, you know, you can look at this all ways and different angles and what have you. But uh, uh, one of the things I was quite keen on this week, again, with the sort of fatigue point of view, and particularly with Augusta coming up, is I, I didn't really want to be backing players who had uh, teed it up in all of the last um, three events. Uh, of course, you have that sort of fairly brutal week at Bay Hill uh, conditions wise and it was straight on to um, uh, Sawgrass where of, of course we all know what happened there and, and then um, the Valspar obviously a far more laid back affair but still another uh, uh, another week's golf so we, we've got um, you know plenty of guys who have uh, basically been um, uh, must be coming to the end of uh, their full gas tank as it were now who have uh, teed it up uh, all, all, all of the last three weeks uh, Victor Hovland's one that sprung to mind there uh, and um, yeah I, I didn't want to be you know siding with someone who um, had been um, yeah um, at it for the last three weeks Tyrrell Hatton was another person I looked at quite closely but uh, um, same issue there so so Paul Casey obviously he um, withdrew from the Valspar um, even though it's uh, somewhere where he's won twice of course he, he withdrew from there so he comes in fresh uh, and um, we know he's a great match play player uh, he won uh, of course the old um, HSBC match play uh, in, in Europe um, back in the day uh, solid Ryder Cup record uh, we know he can play well at um, on a peak die design because, of course, he just uh, but for the cruel blow with the uh, drive on the 16th could have uh, could have won the course at Sawgrass uh, a couple of weeks ago. So he was playing some great golf there, and I think he'll be sort of um, what's the word looking to sort of uh, put that behind him that uh, unfortunate break and uh, make amends for that. So um, yeah, I, I thought he's going to come in here fresh. Um, his draw. It's not the easiest of draws, of course, but not the hardest of draws. I mean, Louis's got quite a good record in this. He's got Louis Oosthuizen, um, got quite a good record in this. But uh, he's been so disappointed in the last couple of weeks when he's been in contention and he's just fallen away um, uh, the weekend or on the final day. And, um, uh, yeah, he, he's not someone I'd really want to want to trust um, when push comes to shove. Uh, Corey Connors um, hasn't uh, obviously really got the experience in this. And I suspect Alex Noren might be the danger, actually, because he's got a very good record in this. But um, I, I just like the look of Casey this week. I think um, uh, he's been a man on a mission. And um, uh, I was happy to roll, roll, roll the dice on him. So I'm, all of my players this week, I'm taking the... Um, eight um, places, so for the quarterfinal effect. So it's 33 to one on Casey, fifth of the odds, first eight. Uh, if he does come through his group, he has the group with Xander Chauvelet, um in. And um, again, um, no, Chauvelet's uh, not exactly been on, on fire of late and uh, he's yet to really produce anything in this um, particular event, although obviously he's got the Ryder Cup experience now, so uh, I was happy to um, uh, take my chances there. So that's uh, that, that's my first man, um, and um, I believe you've uh, got someone at slightly bigger odds for your first pick there, Dave. Yeah, just to um, 
quickly comment on a couple of things you were saying there about fatigue. Yeah. I, I had a quick look at uh, the – I actually went back for the last six finals. Okay. To see if those 12 finalists had played the week before. So eight of the last 12 finalists hadn't played the week before. That's interesting. I like that. Um, you can actually – sneak another one out out of that because you could say nine of the last 12 hadn't played the weekend before i think yeah. um there was a winner who missed the cut the previous week so we had okay. two days off but the only real there's only really been a case jason day had won bay hill a week before right they think how on earth did jason day win back to back with his body yeah i think we're seven body. rounds in this but so. yeah uh so generally, yeah, it is an advantage not to play the week before. I think I was quite close to putting up Norrin, but I thought that was too hard a group. Um, yeah. Even though I probably would have gone with Norrin, but he did play last week. Um, I, overall, I just thought, I don't know, one of Casey and Ustazen might take him down, or I, I couldn't quite decide, so I did leave that group alone. But I can see what, what you're saying. Um, yeah. Gone. So I was going to say, you're right. I mean, it is obviously, uh, you, you know, I started off with, with the logic of, okay, do I um, just look to uh, um, back in in groups I don't like the fate? So the obvious one was Bryson's group, for example. Do I just, um, um, you know, go against uh, Bryson's group or, or, or what have you? But um, uh, the only concession I've really made to the draw is the fact that uh, I think the bottom half is slightly easier than the top half. Um, I mean, it's all very arbitrary, obviously, but I think the bottom half is slightly easier than the top half. And um, that led me to... Um, uh, make two of my three picks to come from the bottom half. But um, uh, just touching, sorry, Dave, touching on the guys who have played three weeks running, um, Hovland is the obvious one from the uh, the guys at the top of the market, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, um, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, although he missed the cut at Sawgrass, uh, Tommy Fleetwood's now been out there for four weeks running. Um, and um, if you go further down, um, uh, Jason Kokrak's played three weeks running, not that we're back in him, Keegan Bradley. Um, but uh, Hovland is, is the one from the very top. But, um, but yeah, sorry, Dave. So um, on, on to your first pick. Yeah, so um, I can see what the naysayers are going to say with this one, but I can also imagine how you'd feel on Sunday if he wins at 50-1. to 1. But I'm going for Patrick Reed. Um, I think, I don't know, maybe last year or the year before, people would have been all over Patrick Reed in this tournament because of his match play. Pedigree, we all remember that game against Rory McIlroy in the Ryder Cup 2016 when he... They slugged it out, but it was Reed who came out on top. There's an obvious problem for backing Patrick Reed, but I kind of see it as a positive in a funny way. So he's in the same group as John Rahm. Yeah. And for most people, that's like a, oh. But honestly, I, I think he'll love being in the same group mm. as John Rahm. John Rahm is, represents, you know, the, he is world number one. So he mm. represents the exact giants that, that Patrick Reed would love to slay. So I think he will love that. And he just showed enough last time. I know he's been a bit off the radar, but he showed enough yeah. at, at, um, at Sawgrass when he was tied 26th mm. to, to make you think maybe he's just found a little something. Because that was a tough week at, at Sawgrass. It was, you know, it was just a, a bit of a grind, wasn't it? And it, tough mentally. But for him to, to finish 26th 
and this is quite significant he was rated third for strokes game putting if you if you want one thing maybe in a match play you want someone who puts well yeah so patrick reed is putting well he's 30 30th in strokes game putting this season uh, which is good he didn't play the valspar so he's had that nice week off which is good mm. um he i don't think he's he did win the humana challenge which somebody might say oh they didn't use a pete die course back when he won it i can't quite remember 2014. um but um, maybe yeah um maybe they didn't but he did he did although it's not a pete die but he did his first win was at uh sedgefield and i know that isn't a pete die it's Don yeah. ross but there's so many winners aren't there who've won mm. sedgefield and won at sawgrass yeah 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 yeah, and he's won on other. You look at his wins; he's either won on slightly sort of quirky layouts. Mm. Uh, so he, he won in Mexico. Um, he won at the Wyndham, or he just wins big events. I mean, he's won yeah. two. He's won a Masters. He's won two WGCs. He's won Torrey Pines. He's won a the Barclays, a playoff event, a Northern Trust, another playoff event. Mm. He doesn't mess about. So, so when Patrick Reed, when all the big guns gather, Patrick Reed, this is when. I think he's got a better chance than if he was put in a a, a field of sort of average players. Mm -hmm. So even though, yeah, he's got John Rahm, I just think that that will fire him up more than diminish his chances. The, the, I mean, the other two, it's not an easy group by any means, even, even without Rahm, because you've got Cameron Young who's been in fine form. Mm -hmm. And Sebastian Munoz can often put in good rounds. But I yeah. just if Reed gets a taste of this, I can see him winning this group, and then he's only got to win one more game, or we're into each way payout cut uh, territory. Just yeah. fifty one. I just thought it was a big price, and I can see why people won't because of the Ram factor. But Ram's not exactly pulling up trees, is he this season? No, well, obviously, he's, like you say, the one thing you would want in this is potentially someone who's going to hold their putts, and of yeah. course, that's the one thing Ram hasn't been doing. Um, uh, in in recent weeks now, of course, he's good enough that it could all just turn around and um, suddenly yeah. he's from everywhere. But uh, um, you know, you could say that about any of the yeah. you know top ten or so in this this field. Uh, uh, I think I, I must admit I wasn't considering Reed, but um, uh, I did look um, at um, Group Sixteen, which is of course where uh, Reed would go in. Um, uh, you know, in the event that uh, he did come through that group, because I, I felt um, like you do that Rahm's vulnerable. But uh, I do, and again, you know, you could say off the field, you quite like the look of them. But um, I do quite like the look of Lowry uh, in this for obvious reasons. You know, he really took to the Ryder Cup uh, and um, uh, his um, form of late's course been really solid. Uh, and um, uh, Kepka, you know, showed a, you know, a little something last week and uh, finished off very nicely. So that looks um, a, a bit of a tough group there. Uh, and um, I, I guess uh, uh, that was enough to put me off Lowry or Kepka because, um, you know, I just felt they were uh, up against it against each other. I didn't really want to pick pick one. And um, obviously we've got the spectre Ram comes good. So so you've got a possible tough match, tough match there in the last 16. But I take your point that... Uh, um, if uh, Patrick gets it going, then um, he's uh, certainly more than a match for anyone in, in match play. So um, yeah, the fifty if he if he comes through the group, the fifty to one will start looking very big. So yeah, uh, yeah. so um, so I, I get everything you're saying, and um, 
makes perfect sense. Uh, and uh, another tune, which I think is a little bit of an ode to uh, Patrick and uh, his uh, Captain America role, as it were. Yeah, so uh, Patrick Reed made his name before winning the Masters as Captain America in the Ryder Cup. That's the Ryder Cup. So obviously that is a match play format as well, which is what we're playing this week. So I've gone for... Um, well, let's add in as well. There's a there's a second event this week as well, isn't there? Yes, there is. Yeah, yeah. The Corrales Punta Cana. Now, if you take the first bit of that corral, this is like a really sort of this is like a do you remember three two one? It's like a three two one clue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got the Ryder Cup. So there's a band called the Coral, and they were founded by Bill Ryder Jones. So I think there's enough there, isn't there? To, there is to, to make something of that so yeah yeah so i basically picked my favorite uh choral song which is a song called in the morning which is a very sprightly little tune which um is ideal actually to play in the morning to get you going yeah uh, it's all sparkly and lovely and jangly and it's just it's just a very good tune the, yeah. choral, the choral is sort of that you know you can sort of trace a line through the lars and even back to say the Beatles, maybe that, yeah, yeah. that Liverpool sound going on, and they're actually I've thought of, I've, I've thought of a final link actually as well. All right, very good. They're from Hoylake. Oh uh, yes, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. A, um, obviously, an open venue, so yeah, yeah next so, year I think. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah, yeah. So, well, um, all in all, we've eventually founded, <laughs> landed on the coral and in the morning. Excellent and a good tune. I like that tune. So uh, happy to have that on the pod. The Coral making their debut. Um, don't forget um, for newer listeners, uh, the songs will be linked out afterwards on a Spotify playlist that um, you will be able to listen back to. Uh, I'll post it out on on Twitter and um, it'll be linked into the pod. So um, you can give all the, all the tunes a listen. Listen. So uh, my next pick is uh, I'm certainly going down the uh, the peak dial link and the match play experience link. Um, I'm going to uh, uh, chant Sergio, Sergio Garcia. Uh, and, um, I mean, it's a pretty obvious case for Sergio. There's, there's 40 to 1 available for the eight places, which I thought was... Uh, um, perfectly fair. Uh, his form hasn't been pulling up any trees of late, um, but he's been solid. Um, he was 26th at Sawgrass a couple of weeks ago, had the week off last week, 38th at Bay Hill. So, um, you know, he, he, he's been tick, ticking over would be um, the, the phrase we'd use. But uh, um, he, he comes to life in this event and he's come to life a lot more in this event since it went to uh, Austin Country Club which, of course, is, uh, as we've already mentioned, a peak dye design, which brings us back to um, Sergio's love of sawgrass. Uh, so, um, yeah, since he's been in Austin, which is where Sergio, although I did see he put his um, $6 million pile up um, up for sale in Austin recently. I don't know if you'd uh, picked up on that day, but uh, he's, um, I don't know if you're in the market or not, but um, there's a place going in Austin, apparently, for $6 million. Uh, um, but um, he's been residing in Austin for the last few years. I don't know if he's moving up the road in Austin to something bigger or if he's uh, uh, leaving town. Um, but uh, that's been one of his bases, and I've heard him talk a lot about how much he, he you know, has felt uh, like an adopted Texan and has enjoyed his time there. And, of course, he's won in Texas 
Lewis at the um, Byron Nelson, I think it is. He's won. Um, or maybe it's Colonial, but he's won, he's won one of the Texas events anyway. Uh, and um, since he's been in Texas, he's uh, got to the quarterfinals, last two outings, uh, last 16 the previous time. So the last three visits, basically, he's got out of his group. Um and uh, he's up against, um, he's in um, the group, which is group two, if you like, uh, up against uh, Morikawa, uh, who, I mean, y- you know, Brave is the man who says Morikawa was struggling a little bit and uh, I want to avoid him because, as we know, he has this propensity to suddenly um, have two bad weeks and then a blinding week. So um, I, I take uh, take that risk slightly um uh, you know, with a sort of um, faint heart, as it were. But uh, um, he's up against Morikawa, who um, hasn't uh, yet obviously really got any experience in this particular event. Uh, we know the putter can run cold. Uh, he's um, certainly been off the boil the last uh, couple of weeks in uh, in Florida. Uh, Jason Kokrak, who certainly last week played like a man who um, is about to uh, head off and take uh, take millions of um, uh, euros or dollars or whatever on another tour, shall we say, uh, which uh, leaves Bob McIntyre, who is, is certainly... Um, a little bit mercurial and could be a bit of a threat um, as the sort of short game that would thrive in this uh, event. But um, Sergio is just so solid in this uh, format. And um, if he comes through, uh, he's then got the winner of the uh, Abraham Answer, uh, Webb Simpson, Brian Harmon, Bubba Watson group, which is for, I mean, Webb Simpson's probably the weak link there at the moment on his current form, but, uh, um, you know, he's not got one of the uh, biggest names, shall we say. I mean, Harmon and Watson have got good records in this, but uh, I'd take the chances with Sergio, and then we're into the money, obviously. So uh, so I thought his record here is Pete Dye record, uh, his love of match play, his Texas connection, um, and his solid recent form was was all good enough for me to, um, to chance Sergio. Uh, and um, I'm going to get my first tune on for the week, uh, and I'm going to go down a Spanish route. Uh, I'm going to uh, have a track by the Foles, Spanish Sahara. Uh, I'm not going to claim to be a huge Foles fan, but this particular song, if you haven't heard it before, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Dave, but if you haven't heard it before, uh, it's an absolute um, uh, absolute belter. Um, so it's um, uh, Spanish Sahara by the Foles is my my first pick um this week musically um are you are you a Foles fan dave or are you a sergio garcia fan in match play either or um a bit of both i'm not tremendous fan i must admit uh but yeah i i i like your argument for sergio uh i must say it it it, it certainly seems less daunting doesn't it the fact that you've only got to get someone to the quarterfinals mm. to win uh to get an each way place that's that's what We've got in the UK anyway on, on with some of our bookmakers. Be, before it suddenly seemed there's there seemed nothing worse than the the no man's land of losing in the quarterfinals. It was agony, yeah. wasn't it? Where yeah. they just get there, then it's just a free hit, isn't it? After that, really. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, I, I do like Sergio for all you've said. Yeah, um, just actually on that, and um, credits or shout out to Ball Sports. I mean, obviously the odds get uh, a lot more, um, um, shall we say, um, well, a lot shorter. Uh, but you do actually have an option with Boils, I think, to um, back each way to get to the last 16. Okay. Um, and uh, I think Sergio is 25s or something on that front. So I, I wasn't, um, you know, I was having to take my 40s because obviously I could see him winning it. But uh, yeah. uh, I guess if you fancied... Um, 
you know, one of the sort of um, rank outsiders, uh, uh, you, you know, Mac Hughes or something to win their simply win their group, then uh, that's uh, definitely an option to to, to look at. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, forty to one for me for eight places of the quarterfinals with with Sergio. Uh, and um, uh, back over to you, um, David, one of the uh, former champions here. Yeah, so my second pick is uh, Kevin Kistner. Again, uh, fifty to one. I think in a in a normal big event, you wouldn't be looking at Kevin Kistner at fifty to one, but you certainly have uh, good reason to do in this event. He's just got a tremendous course record, hasn't he? He won yeah. this event in two thousand and nineteen. He was the runner-up the year before, and he. I even looked the two years either side of that that there wasn't an event in 2020 but 2017 before he got to the two finals the next two years he won two out of three in his group and last year he won two out of three in his group as, as well so he's he's just you know he's got a tremendous winning record here absolutely loves the place speaks quite well about the format and and why he particularly enjoys match play he says he likes these pressure pack putts that you get some players might shy away from that so i was all over kevin kister i if i like somebody i'm i'm not going to be too put off by the draw mm. and to be honest they they could be playing tiger in his prime and i would i would find an argument that back in opposing tiger in his prime is a good idea so it, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, but yeah th there's an obvious one this year in, in that He's up against Justin Thomas. Mm. But uh, you've touched on it a couple of times that do you want players who've had a bit of a, a busy schedule? Well, well, Thomas was third last week and under the gun yeah. for a lot of the week. The, yeah. you know, it was quite a draining week for him. And that was after the players where he was defending. So that was a busy week for him as well. And just an all-round annoying week. So I don't think... He's someone massively to fear. He's played, Justin Thomas has played in this event, I think, five times. He's only got out of the group once. So it's not particularly his sort of track. I mean, you're just going on course form. Kisner's is a mile better than uh, Justin Thomas's, which mm. leaves uh, two other players in the group, Mark Leishman and Luke List, who, yeah, you've got to give them respect. But I don't know, would, would they be a bit, bit more dangerous if this was being held on the other coast? Mark yeah. Leishman, yeah, he's good, but he's never got out of the group here. He wasn't particularly good in Florida, 68th and missed cut. Uh, Luke List has – what's happened to Luke List? He's just completely gone, hasn't he, since he yeah, won? Yeah, it's, obviously that can happen, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, he certainly wouldn't – I mean, yeah, you know, of course. Yeah, and if you, um, if you uh, bring up the strokes gain putting list this season – it's scroll, scroll, scroll. scroll. Yeah. No, there he is outside the top 200 loop list. So you don't really want to be backing someone who, who just can't put, basically. He, you know, yeah. you can see why he won at Torrey when it was, you know, a much harder yeah. test than not a putting contest. But you do need to hold your putts here. Yeah. Kevin Kistner is uh, fifth for strokes game putting this season, uh, which excellent. And very recently, we've seen him gain over five strokes on the field with his putter at Sawgrass and again at the Valspar. Sawgrass, he was fourth. Obviously, you've got the Pete Dye link there. So yeah. very recent form on a Pete Dye shot pair of 68s on the weekend. So again, I was uh, more than happy to see him at 50 to 1. I just think, yeah, get out of your group again, which I think he'll you know, he'll have a great run at getting out of the group. And then he just has to win one more game. And he's, I just think he's 
as they say, he's one up on the first tee, Martin, when he when he tees off in this event. So hopefully we can get more of the Kevin Kistner love going. Yeah. Um, now I'll um, here you go. I'll give you your uh, I'll give you your case for um, Luke List. Uh, here we go. The one thing just, I mean, don't be wrong. I wouldn't be backing Luke List in a, a million years, but um, uh, not in this event anyway. Not on this form at the moment. But uh, um, he did win at TPC the uh, Corn Ferry Challenge at um, Sawgrass when the Corn Ferry came back after COVID, didn't it? Um, I don't know if you remember. He won um, uh, won on uh, yeah, the um, Corn Ferry Tour. Um, so uh, there you go. There's your there's your Pete Dye link. Um, he's got a win on a Pete Dye course. But uh, uh, other than that, you're quite right. I wouldn't be. Uh, um, yeah, looking towards him this this week. So, um, and um, I'm always happy to go for Kevin Kisner because I believe you got a Kevin song, and can't go wrong with a Kevin song. <laughs> yes, um, the Wedding Present, one of my favourite bands as a youth. Um, we, we talked, didn't we, on the first podcast we did about John Peel's Festive Fifty? Absolutely, they had about 16 entries every year, wouldn't they, or something? Yeah, Paul <laughs> and the Wedding Present dominated those yeah. top 50 lists. I was always uh, a big wedding present fan from the early days. I think uh, George Best is my favourite album. This is uh, one of the songs from there, and it's simply Give My Love to Kevin, and I certainly am giving my love to Kevin uh, this week. If you've, ne if you've never heard the wedding present, it's sort of fast, very fast guitars and a bloke who sort of speaks rather than singing <laughs> would be. Sorry, David Gedge, if you're listening. But uh, <laughs> I think he's, his voice has got to see a bit better, hasn't it, over the years? I I've not, I mean, am I right in saying they're still going, or am I imagining that? Um, or yeah, he, he did. Um, well, I'm going to come on to this, actually. So, the wedding present, yeah, I think they, they, I think they toured here in Leeds last year, maybe. Right. Um, he did another, he did an offshoot, didn't he, called Cinerama, quite like that. that right, thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they were quite yeah, good. yeah. The female was it him and the yes, a, a lady? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he proved he could sing a bit better in in in, in that, and it was more cinerama. It's more sort of like mm. a lush sound rather than just guitars yeah. going a million miles an hour. But yeah. the the thing that I'm going to add to uh, the wedding present this week is that there was in the talk about the John Peel sessions. The wedding present did release um a set called the ukrainian john peel sessions okay one of their and the wedding present guitarist pete salofka his father's ukrainian so they used to play this ukrainian folk song called hopak right that's how it kind of spun up from there so obviously at the moment we are all behind ukraine so I yep. a good chance to uh to say that and just to link it Absolutely. all with uh, Kevin Kistner. Um, yeah. And if anybody wants to donate to any of those appeals for Ukraine, do so. I'm certainly doing that. No, 100%. Um, 100%. Um, before we move on to our third picks, uh, should we have a look at a couple more of these groups? What's the? I know which one I think it is, but uh, uh, what's what's the group of death, uh, Dave? <laughs> have, you, uh, um, have, you, have you singled one out? I see. I, I think I think your group analysis has gone deeper than mine. You're you're coming up with things like if he gets through the group, he'll play. I haven't looked beyond the the actual first. I don't right. know. You know, American listeners who love their brackets would be appalled that the fact yeah. that I haven't filled one in. I've just sort of looked at the immediate three rivals. Yeah. So 
So yeah, so um, I, have you got one? I've not really. I I would think own. that the group of death would be group five. Would be my thoughts, which um, you know, oh, on, yeah, on current form, yeah. Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, um, Tommy, and Poulter, who of course yeah. is uh, Mr. Match Play. So that's um, uh, yeah, that, uh, that that's got to be the group the group of death um, to me. So uh, I was looking. I mean, of course, Poulter was on the radar for all the obvious reasons. Um, uh, I did toy with Scheffler because of course he's yeah. um, the, the form guy but like you say yeah, we, you know, the, really it, it's the price isn't it yeah. so um, the uh, the group of uh, not death I don't know what the uh, <laughs> opposite of the group of death is um, uh, is uh, got to be probably group nine with Bryson yes. coming back um, uh, Taylor Gooch obviously solid player but nothing you know match play CV that's um, um, certainly the professional game that um, I'm aware of uh, Lee Westwood of course um, you know, is to be respected, but um, uh, should we say probably has limitations the, 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 these days um, at the very top level. Maybe that's a little bit unfair, but um, um, you know, to string it all together for the for the week is a big ask for him. Um, and uh, Richard Bland, who could um, you know do it, do anything, and um, but uh, again, you wouldn't necessarily think that um, he'd be someone to fear in this. So um, yeah, so that would be um, uh, the, the, the group that uh, I was looking. I was looking to back someone in that group to oppose yeah. Bryson, but uh, there was no one really drawn in the group that yeah. you know, Brian Harmer would be in that group or something. I'd have probably yes. been all over it. But um, yeah, I had um, a quick look at Gooch just to see if there was enough other me. <coughs> get him through but apart from just being in an easy group i couldn't bring much to the table yeah uh but again look from a point of view of looking ahead um that did tempt me um with dj uh dustin johnson yeah. um because um assuming i've not got this all wrong um, the winner of group eight plays the winner of group nine uh and dj's in group eight uh which is um uh, matt wolf who Certainly, of course, he's um, struggling at the moment um, on and off the course. Uh, and um, uh, Homer uh, and Mackenzie Hughes, who could be a threat, but his, his sort of form's gone off the boil a bit of late. So um, so that did bring me to look at DJ. But again, it was just a price thing. Do you really want to be backing someone at um, 20 to 1 in, in, in this? So, um, uh, yeah. So uh, I guess the other groups um, to maybe be, um, uh, you know, sort of opposing... Um, as I say, that Group 15, Webb Simpson's not in the best of form at the moment, but you've got, um, uh, and Answer looks, although Answer's form and um, Pete Dietrax is pretty good, actually. So, yeah, um, a tough group, actually, because yeah, yeah, make um, a case for Bubba as well, can't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be group, group nine, and um, you know, to be fair, Group group two, uh, Morikawa, I think, is vulnerable, and so is Coke Crack. So, that was why I um uh you know honed in on sergio basically so um for my third pick i will um because i'll roll my one out because it's slightly shorter odds than yours although we're now both getting to the speculative uh era i think uh but for my third pick um i'm gonna chance um siwoo kim uh and uh again we're back with the obvious um Pete Dye link, uh, of course, um, Sawgrass, um, one of the Amex. Um, uh, he's also got the uh, Sedgefield um, connection as well that you mentioned earlier, Dave, that ties in nicely here, um, or certainly with Pete Dye designs. So he's always someone to consider if he's teeing it up on a Pete Dye course. Now, you never quite know what you're going to get with Sergio. Um, last time out was um, 
perfect point. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people like the look of him to have another big year at Sawgrass. Uh, he got caught on the wrong side of the draw and he was up in up in sticks before he'd finished his second round. So I don't think there was probably any kind of injury there other than the usual sort of um, slightly twinged back, shall we say. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was disappointing for him. But prior to that, um, uh, he'd been in um, uh, pretty solid form. Um, he, you know, he's been making his cuts. Uh, he uh, played nicely at um, Bay Hill, nicely in his defence um, going back at the Amex. So he, he's been, you know, he's been ticking along well. And um, his record in this, I mean, he's been fairly uh, woeful last couple of times. But uh, he did get out of the group on his second visit. And I just think... Um, you know, if he's on a, on a go week, shall we say, uh, he's got the short game. I mean, his short game stats aren't as good this season as they have historically been, but um, he's he's excellent around the greens and get up and down from everywhere, as, as he showed when he won at Sawgrass, of course. Uh, so he's the sort of guy you, you'd like sort of scrambling for you if he's on a on a go week in this event. And um, yeah, I, I just thought um, I, I was happy to... Uh, Happy to chance him uh, at the odds. Uh, again, obviously, like we say, we're just looking to get out of the group and win one more match. Um, he's 80 to 1. Uh, he's uh, up against, I've forgotten who he's up against now, but uh, who's he up against? Oh, yes, Tyrrell Hatton, um, who is the seed in the group, who, again, I think might be running out of steam. Um, Daniel Berger, yet to really do anything in this, never got out of the group. So, of course, he's been in solid form of late, but, um, you, you know, to take your chances, haven't you? So, but I just think Hatton might be slightly running out of steam. And um, Christian Bezaden, who, who, of course, could play well in this format, um, class player, but um, he, he's making his debut in the event, I think. So, um, yeah, so I was happy to take my chances on Siwoo at 80 to 1. Uh, actually, uh, on Bez, he did play last year, didn't get out of the group. So, uh, but um, yeah, so it's Siwoo for me at 80 to 1, one point each way. So all, all my three picks, I've only got the three picks, are one point each way. Uh, so we only need to get one to the course of finals and uh, we've got a profitable week, basically. So uh, over to you, Dave. Yeah, so I'm uh, actually going beyond 100 to 1, 125 to 1, Lucas Herbert. Okay. But, um, I can imagine uh, not too many people are thinking about him in this event, but he has got what I think is a decent enough group. Again, it, it wasn't – to me, I didn't work backwards. I didn't, I didn't look at group and then make the pick. I kind of made the pick and then just looked at the group and made sure it wasn't too horrendous. So um, he's up against Tony Finau, Xander Schaffle and Luke and uh, Takumi Kanaya. Um, I would say, obviously, Takumi Kayana, we don't really know what he would – would do on US soil. He's nothing really of any note of late. So he's certainly beatable. He's probably the one player in the field that no one will have know anything about. Tony Fino, I think of that second bracket, 17 to 32, I would say he's the most beatable in his current mm. form. I think he's way off the pace. Yeah. Um, you, you think of Fino in this early part of the season, the West Coast swing, he's normally up there with. Sixth and eighth and third, and he did nothing, did he? Really, this year, mm. Mr. Cut at Torrey Pines, Mr. Cut in Phoenix, and he's Mr. Cut at the Players Championship. He's he's putting his horrendous at the minute. He's way way down in the putting stats uh, outside the top two hundred. He's never done anything in this event. 
And actually, even though he was on the winning Ryder Cup team, he, he, he got the fewest points or joint fewest, just one point. Uh, lost his singles to Poulter. So whatever angle you come from, I think Tony Fino is one of the most beatable 17 to 30 second seeds. Um, that just leaves Shuffle really as, as the problem. I'll, I'll come on to my argument about why Herbert could be a good bet in a minute. But in terms of Shuffle I think you mentioned him earlier. He's not pulling up any trees. Yeah, yeah, that was I was uh, yeah. sorry for me butting in, but that was part of the reason why I was on Sergio because I saw this group as a fairly weak group. If Sergio did manage to get get through, as as, as you say, but uh, in a minute I'll be thinking, heck, I shouldn't be opposing Herbert once you made your case for him. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Shuffle again. He's never uh, come through the group before, um, so there's no reason to think he's some amazing match player. So that leaves. So why then, Lucas Herbert? Well, let's not forget he won 10 starts ago at the Bermuda Championship. So that must have fueled him with a lot of confidence. And then if you're thinking, oh, that was a one-off fluke. Well, he was tied seventh at Bay Hill in, in Arnie's event just a few weeks back. He, he's had last week off, which uh, is good for the, for the break. Um, at Bay Hill, he ranked first for strokes gained putting. And he's fourth in that category this season. So you've got one of the best putters on the PGA Tour this year uh, going in for you if, if you back Lucas Herbert. I, I did also just check. I, I couldn't really remember the, the actual results, but I, do you remember that World Super 6 Perth thing that they had on the European Tour? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it, it, was, it was a bit of a hybrid, wasn't it? There was some stroke hmm. play, and then it became match play, and match play was over six holes. But it was a different format. It was bit funky and quirky something different and he finished third i think it was the year um oh i think kiridash happy i think it was the year that he won but he actually had a putt from about 10 feet to get to the final so he did he did really well that week it just adds a little bit as well um but just basically you've got someone who played well a couple of weeks ago at bay hill he's a really good putter and I don't think he's got the hardest group in the world. And, and again, we're back to this idea of the getting to that winning line in terms of the each way yeah. batting. I mean, you don't even have to win three games. Do you? you can muddle yeah. through a group. I, th I think technically you could win one game in a group, couldn't you? If, if every game was half, though, everyone yeah, on yeah. one one record, mm. you know, you could just muddle through, win the playoff. Mm. So presumably he gets through and then he just plays one more, gets one more win after that. You suddenly look at an, a quarter of 125 to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of all those sort of rags down the bottom end, I thought he was one who actually had a bit of potential. And it, as this is a is a funny week, back, back to those um, those stats before when, when I mentioned that somebody seeded 49th to 64th although he's not even in that bracket is he i think he's i think he's quite a high seed, he's, he's a third seed yeah 39 oh, 39 yeah. which is not too bad at all is it so um you know that gives that gives him takumi kanaya as a, as a kind of the weak element mm -hmm. tony fino as well and, we, and and there is there is just scope to to back the players who are not considered the elite players and yeah, yeah. i thought he would, he, would, he would be as good as anybody of, of all those ones that, that people don't like so we shall see you, you always think 
in uh, Texas, Aussies are going to go quite well, aren't you? Because yeah. Live there. Well, if the, if the wind blows, it was very windy yeah. at Bermuda, wasn't it, when he won? So yeah. um, we know he's but good the, in the wind. So that's yeah. uh, plus. this course isn't, you know, it's a bit of a, a, a turny, twisty, quirky. Mm. There's, there's different elements. So it's not like a pure American boom, boom course, is it? So I think yeah. it, that might just help him as well. Yeah, we've got to take a few things on trust yeah. and get lucky here and there but i just thought it was a big price for for the way he's playing fair enough um yeah well as a yes as i say i like the fact that um obviously uh you'd expect him to be good in the wind if the wind picks up so um yeah good shout uh, and i believe your uh your next musical selection uh is an ode to a former winner here a fellow fellow aussie um as it were so uh yes um yeah, you'd, you'd think we, uh, you'd think this was planned, wouldn't it? The way we yeah. read this together. So yeah, so um, Jason Day obviously is a two-time winner of this event. So I was thinking of songs with Day in the title. There's quite a lot, to be fair. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm going through a, a bit of a Beatles period at the minute, uh, having watched uh, Get Back. Did you watch that? Um, was it on the other day? Oh, it's a well. You need to. It, it's eight hours. Oh, on oh the, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, the yeah, the documentary type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't seen that. No. Yeah. So I'm on my second viewing of it. Um, totally going off piste here, but there's um on Twitter one of the web one of the Twitter accounts I follow is called the Teetles rather than the. I've Beatles. seen that. Actually. I've seen you yes. post about that. Yeah. Brilliant, isn't it? It's it's a bloke called Hugh who collects all these pictures of the Beatles drinking tea. And you think that's quite a, you know, what is there much mileage in that? Well, I've um, I've had a bit of a chat with him and I've ordered some of his little fanzines that he produces. So far, the count is over 400. Right. Beatles okay. into tea. You know, forget all LSD and all the other drugs they were meant to have taken. They were massive tea drinkers. And you see in, um, if you watch Get Back, so many times they're being brought cups of tea. So anyway, so even within the Beatles, it, it could have been you know a day in the life. But I've gone for good day sunshine because we're in Texas. It's sunny. Yeah, yeah. Bright song, so it's going to be a good day. So, yeah. yeah, the Beatles, good day sunshine. Yeah. To be fair, you didn't know what was in those teacups when they were getting brought. Well, could have, been, yeah. could have been anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I'll take your point. So. <laughs> Okay, so I think that's um, pretty much a wrap on the match play. We we both uh, obviously gone for three, and I think we're both working on the basis that if we can get one to the quarters, uh, uh, you're in the money, and then anything else from there is a bonus. So, um, yeah, and uh, as I say, you're the man who got this right last year. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue with any of your selections, certainly, because you've done a lot better than I have uh, over the years. So it's uh, certainly not been... Uh, been my my kind of event and um to be honest I, i'll probably be um just as uh focused on the uh Kerala's punta cana which uh we head to um this week now i know you've not really had a chance to have a proper look at this one yet dave so you might have to sort of bear with me while i throw a couple of selections out but uh, yeah. you never know something might might come to your uh come to mind as you um uh as, as uh, I, I talk it through but uh um, yeah, so we're off to the Dominican Republic. It's an event, I think, that's now in its um, uh, fifth um, uh, fifth playing on the PGA Tour. It did also used to be an event that was played on um, the um, Corn Ferry Tour, uh, as it was back in the day. Uh, and um, we've 
had uh, the last winner was Joel Damon. Uh, the winner prior to that was Hudson Swafford, uh, who also came close to defending last year. Uh, we've had GMAC win here. We've had Bryce Garnett. Uh, so I think that is sort of telling you a little bit about um, the type of player who might perform well here. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes has played well here on a couple of occasions. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a past 72. It can stretch to 7,000. 600 yards uh and it's pap salam green so uh there's definitely a link with the mayacoba and the puerto rico events where um uh the pap salam greens are uh or pap salam greens are in play uh it's an opposite field event so of course it's that life-changing opportunity for um uh the shall we say the second division players uh we saw it of course over in puerto rico with uh uh, Ryan Brem um, uh, a few weeks back. Great story where he had the one start left on his medical exemption and um, he uh, went and won the event. So it's, yeah, it's one where the class can sometimes shine through, but equally, you know, you could um, uh, get any old, old rag coming in here, as it were. So um, it's one where you you can sort of um, certainly certainly roll the dice. Are you, are you a fan? I mean, I know you've not really studied this uh, fully yet, Dave, but are you a fan in general of these opposite field events? Do you sort of see them as an opportunity or sort of uh, uh, you treat them with a bit of trepidation? Yeah, so I do struggle with them a little bit, I think. I think um, it's just seeing these players at terrible prices, but except they aren't terrible, but they sort of are what you're used to in normal events. You think, can I really be backing somebody at that short of a price? You know, we just, our brains aren't trained to seeing Johnny Vegas at 16 to one and things yeah. like that. So, um, so yeah, they aren't my favorite events. I have to say, I, I do prefer the big events where, I've got more of a handle on all the players, but I, I know exactly why people do like them because um, there are, there is logic and there are a certain type, aren't they, who tend to do well. Yeah, no, and um, to be honest, I was all in in the sort of um, in the vein of sometimes the class can come to the fore in these events. I was all set to uh, back Maverick McNeely. Well, I would assume it would have been favourite odds um, in the thought that he could do a Victor Hovland uh, as uh, mm. Victor did over in Puerto Rico because McNeely's shown himself to be a bit of a master of these uh coastal tracks obviously uh pebble beach um hilton head etc but uh uh he went and uh unobligingly got himself into the match play field when uh sam burns withdrew so um yeah so that was the end of that plan so uh so i've i've got four players um that i'm looking at in this and i'll rattle through them very very quickly so that uh um uh you're not uh bored stupid day but um yeah uh my my four players that i'm looking at um at the moment i guess in price order I've got a couple at the 40 to 1 mark or thereabouts. Um, I'm going to chance, first of all, uh, Emiliano Grillo. And um, he is a player that, of course, comes with a little bit of a health warning from the point of view of the, the putter and, um, uh, you know, when he's in contention on a Sunday. Uh, but he pops up over and again in these type of events. Uh, he's played well here before. Um, he um, has played well at the Mycoba, at Puerto Rico. Uh, so he's played well at all the right tracks. Uh, he's a ball striker. Um, he links very nicely with, um, uh, you know, your, your, your GMAC type of player who who performs well at these uh, 
say, shorter coastal venues. Uh, obviously, being brought up in Argentina, um, he's probably used to um, the Paspalum greens um, and just sort of playing in the sort of uh, sort of more sort of muggy climates, if you like, that uh, you're going to get in the Dominican Republic. So um, he uh, just struck me at the odds as someone who could uh, pop up in this event. I mean, he's he's not uh, the most consistent of sorts and his form of late hasn't been particularly good. Uh, but um, he has basically just popped up at these opposite field events uh, and played well when he's not been in the best of form. So uh, as I say, he was six here. His form's got progressively better in this event each time he's played it. So 50th first time, 21st uh, uh, the next visit and sixth here uh, this time last year. Uh, so I, I just thought he was worth a worth a, a risk, particularly as we are on um, Nappy Factor watch with Emiliano. Uh, for those, uh, of course, who were um, uh, studies of the Keith Elliott, uh, the Nappy Factor comes out uh, as a, a player who uh, has just um, welcomed the birth of uh, either their first child or a, another child, and uh, obviously that inspires them to uh, produce a big week. And we saw it. I don't know if you noticed. Did you notice Sean Norris was a, na uh, a nappy factor, one for the nappy factor yesterday? Did, did you pick up on that, Dave? Oh yeah, um, thirty-nine years old, isn't he? So is that his first baby, or is he? Uh, I think it's his second because I saw in the interview. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, uh, his family, uh, his family uh, got on the green and the water. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I did, yeah. Um, one, I noticed in, in commentary the other day, um, Wayne Riley radar was just, you know, banging on about something or other, just sort of whittering away while he was uh, in shots, speaking on on film down that, out on the course, and he, he said something like, he was on a flight once, and Emiliano Greer was in the opposite seat, and, he, and Wayne Riley said. And he spent the whole flight smooching all the way. He did. <laughs> uh, I hope it's the same woman that he's just uh, had a baby with. Yeah, well, I would like to think so. So, uh, um, yeah, but his form, um, his, his form has probably been a little bit, shall we say, uh, uh, distracted of late by the impending arrival of the child. And uh, you, you don't know. Of course, it can go two two ways for a period afterwards, obviously. Um, but. Um, you know, you only go back to last season and he's got 12th in the Open Championship. Um, he's got second at Hilton Head, obviously links really well with GMAC, as I mentioned. Six here at the Corrales, uh, 11th at um, Puerto Rico, uh, eighth um, at the Mayacoba, 18th at the RSM. And um, they're basically his, um, his pretty much his best performances of the season. So uh, it tells you all you need to know about um, the, the type of venue, the sort of coastal venue that he comes into his own on. So uh, Emilio Grino is my first um, pick and of course it gives me an opportunity to get a Muse song on there as well uh, which is uh, Newborn. Um, I'm a bit of a fan of Muse. I don't know if you're a Muse a little bit like a Marmite band for people that either love them or hate them but um, uh, as the old cliche goes um, you have to see Muse live if you haven't done because um, that's where they really come into their own. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, um, I think I was in the uh, I'm not a fan camp because I find them a bit like dad rock yeah, yeah. Well, they're probably out there now, but yeah. uh, well, um, nappy back to Dad Rock. But I, I, um, I saw them at the Leeds Festival one year. Yeah. Um, after Liam Gallagher and they and they were on, and yeah, I, I did have to doff my cap and say they were very good live. Yeah, no, they are incredible live, and I actually saw them. So it might have been the same year I saw them at the Leeds Festival the year 
that um, they decided to just play this album in full, uh, Origin of Symmetry. I think it was anniversary of the album, and it's uh, um, as the uh, Muse aficionados will tell you, it's their best album. Uh, it's the second album, and it's got Plug In Baby on, and um, 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 yeah, this this track, um, Newborn, um, Citizen Erased, on there. So it's a, it's a tremendous album. Uh, so it's uh, Newborn by Muse uh, in honor of Emiliano Grillo. Um, so. Yeah, um, my other picks, because I just said I'd rattle through my uh, Kerala's picks. Um, I'm going to give a chance to um, Grayson Sig. Uh, and um, he, again, is a player who I think is going to be suited by this type of track. Uh, he has actually played well here before. Uh, he finished, um, I think it was ninth here on his debut last year, when, of course, he wasn't a full PGA Tour member at that point. Um, he was right up there, and um, you were probably keeping an eye on him with your first-round leader bet uh, last week with Hadwin, because, of course, uh, he was looking like being the first-round leader until he managed to triple bogey the 18th. I think it was. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyone who backed him, would have um, that would have been a real sickener because he'd gone from being the first round leader to falling out of places, I think. So, um, but, uh, you know, he showed some good form there. Um, he was um, 48th in the end of the week, so he faded slightly, but um, solid enough. Uh, obviously, this is a far lower, you know, quality event. Um, he played well at Pebble Beach earlier in the year, um, finished uh, 33rd. Uh, so he's he's come off the Corn Ferry Tour as a reputation as one of these sort of um, shorter hitting ball strikers um, who, again, you would expect to be suited to this uh, uh, this type of event. And uh, he knows how to win. Um, he won, I believe he won twice last year on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, and um, he's capable of popping up um, out of nowhere. His wins sort of came when he was uh, not in the best of form particularly. So, um, yeah, he's... Uh, I'm going to double-check that so when I come on to our next player as to exactly how many missed cuts or whatever running he'd had before he uh, he went and won. So, so Grayson Sig is my second uh, pick, and I'm going to come back to a musical selection for him in a minute uh my other two picks at bigger prices um i'm going to chance uh, seth reeves and max mcgreevy uh the case for max mcgreevy is um pretty straightforward and that he was second uh at the puerto rico event uh, a couple of starts ago having missed a bunch of cuts uh, in a row. He, he pops up out of nowhere and finished second in Puerto Rico. Uh, he then made the cut at the Valspar playing reasonably solidly again. So um, he's available at 80 to 1. And um, he's a good putter. Uh, so if, if you look here, as I say, there's the likes of Max Mac. Mac Hughes, um, G-Mac have played well here, obviously, or G-Mac's won here, so solid putters. Uh, Bryce Garnett's known as a good putter, another another winner here. Two types of players tend to win here, either your ball strikers, so your Hudson Swaffords, uh, or, or your, your, your putters and um, sort of short, quirky, coastal-type players like your G-Macs. Um, and um, Max McGreevy, um, with brawn and bread, went to college in Oklahoma, so I think it's probably not a coincidence that he played well in the windy Puerto Rico event, and um, I'm willing to chance that a trip back to the uh, Paspellum will um, help him to keep that run going. Uh, and um, Seth Reeves, uh, who's a horses for courses pick, 100 to 1, um, not been really doing anything of late, but uh, he did pop up with a top 10 before Christmas um, down at the Sanderson Farms. And 
what was interesting to me about that was that uh, he had played well at the Sanderson Farms before as well. So he shows that, uh, you know, top 10 there before also. So in his two visits, he'd basically finished in the top 10. So it shows he sort of likes to go back to the places he's played well at. Uh, and he was third here when this was a Corn Ferry event. Um, and then 18th before, obviously, he had a full tour card. A couple of years ago, uh, or three years ago, when um, uh, he, he managed to get into the field, uh, so he's played here twice and third and eighteenth, uh, and um, he's a pretty big hitter, uh, and um, it's uh, an event that uh, we've had a couple of big hitters pop up in as well. So Tyler McCumber's a big hitter, performed really well here. Um, Keith Mitchell was a runner up here a few years back. So, so I just thought uh, again, he's not been doing anything of late, but uh, he played well before Christmas. He was thirty third at Pebble Beach. So again, that's a uh, that's his best finish this year, showing again he likes the coastal track. So uh, I was just willing to chance that he'll come back to form here again on a course he uh, uh, he obviously likes. So that that. They're my four. Um, don't know if any of those are inspiring you to put them in your team tomorrow, Dave. But uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll have a, a little look at those for first round leader. I did. I did think you might put Patrick Rogers up, but probably too short a price, is he? Yeah, he's um, again. Obviously, uh, you know, he, he could, he's a sort of player who could come good at any time. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it was a little bit short for me this week but uh, I'd be delighted to see him get the win obviously so um, Grayson Sig coming back to what I was saying about him let's go back to his Corn Ferry wins last year um, he where are we um, uh, no not coming up never mind but um, he won on the back of nothing basically so I've got a song for Grayson Sig uh, and um, I'm going to have some Sigur Ross, some Grayson Sigur Ross is my uh, final musical selection of the week. Uh, I'm a huge um, uh, Sigur Ross fan, to be honest. I could have picked uh, uh, any track, but um, I'm going to go with um, Glossily, which is uh, always, um, well, always was often their set opener. Uh, if you've never seen it, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Dave, if you've never seen it, um, they did um, a DVD sort of um, live. Um, concert uh uh called Heimer I think but um it's not just a sort of bog standard live gig uh it's a tour around Iceland where they sort of set up and play sort of uh uh you know a couple of songs in a small school hall and uh, uh you get all the Icelandic scenery and then they cart across country and play uh, a couple of songs in a field or whatever and um, then it finishes with sort of some stuff at a live show so it's an amazing watch if you ever get a chance to see it and um, uh, I'm gonna have some Grayson Sigur Ross as my final selection of the week and it's going to be glossily so I think that pretty much covers it, um, other than obviously wrapping up the free bet uh, and talking about who's on next week. So, um, uh, yeah, anything you want to add, Dave, um, on um, uh, on Koralas at all or uh, just uh, uh, going to take it as you find it when you look at it tomorrow? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll bow to your wisdom on that one and then I'll, I'll have a little look tomorrow and, and probably get a first-round leader preview out 
uh, later in the day. We've done all our uh, songs, haven't we, I think? Uh, I think we have, yes. Um, I think uh, you've popped four in there and I've popped three in and we've now got the uh, uh, the listener song. So, as you know, each week I give away a £5 free bet um, and um, I ask you to send in your picks uh, for a song that uh, ties in with last week's event or what's happening this week. Uh, I've had some great suggestions, as always. I'm just going to rattle through a couple of them very quickly because uh, we're running short of time. So a lot of Sam Burns-related stuff. Uh, we've got um, Burn Baby Burn by Ash um, from Big Day Buses. Uh, Chris Lofthouse suggested I'm on Fire by Kasabian with his three wins in the last uh, 12 yeah. months. Uh, Burning Down the House uh, by the Talking Heads. Thank you, Dave, for that. Uh, the Life of Riley obviously came up from a few people. Um, uh, we even had um, a beautiful stranger by Madonna got a suggestion because uh, uh, I think it uh, is on the Austin Powers movie, apparently. I wouldn't uh, uh, I wouldn't know that, but um, I like the Austin angle. Uh, but um, I'm going to go with uh, a song picked by John Everett. Uh, and I must admit, I didn't know this song. I gave it a quick listen earlier, but um, it's an obvious uh, title. Uh, uh, it's by The Cure, and it's called The Snake Pit. Are you familiar with that track, that Cure track, Dave? I don't know. You're not a goth, though, are you? You told me. You told I'm me not a goth. Um, I was a, I was a quite a big Cure fan. I didn't obviously take it through to dressing like them or of making my hair like Robert Smith's, but yeah. I like the Cure. I, I don't instantly can't think of the song, but I bet if I played, I'd go. Oh, yeah, and, unless it's if it was on an album in between about 1985 to 1990. Yes, I probably know it. Yeah, no, I must admit, I didn't know it, and I've no idea what album it's from, but um, I gave it a listen earlier. It's a good track, and um, I've always had some curious. Um, I'm not a massive fan. Um, I wouldn't claim to be a massive fan. Uh, Niall, when Niall was on the other week, he put a forest on by the cure in honour of Gary Woodland. Um, and um, yeah, I do I like know, yes, I, I do know it. It's on the album Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, which I've got, so I do know this song. Ah, I right, okay, played it for a while. I didn't know this. Who was it? Was it, I think it was you who put um, a camper van Beethoven song I on? I did, it. yeah, 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 absolutely. That was yeah. one of the early singles. I, I presume you know Take the Skinheads Bowling, do you? I, I do, yes, and yeah. um, I've got um, some at some point that might uh, uh, might find its way onto the pod if we can find a way, yes. but uh, um, but uh, no, I, I put on their cover of um, um, Matchstick Men or painting um, pictures of Matchstick Men, their status quo cover uh, yeah. on that's the a, grounds of um, Shane Lowry. It's a funny song, that, because if you say um, it's by the status quo. People will think, "Oh, it's some sort of da 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 sort yeah. of terrible." But it's quite, it's quite psychedelic, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. Status quo before they became status yeah. quo, as we uh, oh, we like all know. Them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you would never know it's the quo. But, yeah, I really yeah. like that song. Uh, and next time you're on, Dave, because we just haven't got time for it now, I shall tell you my when me and the wife got uh, chucked out of a hotel and Rick Parfit was there story, <laughs> which is um, not quite as rebellious as it sounds because it wasn't for like sort of smashing up the TV set and throwing it out the window or something. It was far more minor than that. But we had a bit of a disagreement with the hotel owner and uh, uh, Rick Parfit was on hand to be uh, witnessing the whole thing. So um, they're the um, sort of pulling you apart. 
Yeah, well, it was uh, it was a lady hotel, so, so I was very um, polite, obviously. But uh, she sort of said something like, "Perhaps you should find somewhere else to stay if you're not happy." And we sort of said, "Okay, we will." Um, <laughs> if it's good enough for Parfit, like that. yeah. So um, no, I actually um, uh, I said to him, "I once um, I saw you once, sort of clear the air." I said, "I saw you once at um, at uh, Nebworth when you supported Queen." But I'd actually, and I, uh, I'd actually, I said I'd gone there to see um, uh, Big Country, who I was uh, yeah. a fan of at the time. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed you. I said, you know, you're really good. But I said I actually went there to be to, to see Big Country, and he just looked at me and he said, "Well, everyone had their problems, didn't they, mate?" <laughs> <laughs> as, as in, uh, what were you doing going to Big Country? But uh, there you go. So, um, but there's more to the story. So I'll, I'll come out with it another time. But uh, God rest his soul. I believe he's no longer with us, Rick Parfit. Yeah. But, um, I'm not even sure how we, we got on to Rick Parfit. But uh, status quo. That was it. Um, yeah. Pictures of matchstick men. So anyway, the cure, the snake pit, John Everett. Um, well done, John. I'll be contacting you tomorrow. You've won the free bet this week. Um, next week on the pod. Uh, Jamie Worsley is coming on. Um, those of you who follow Twitter uh, will no doubt know Jamie. He's an excellent tipster. Um, he writes for Betting Odds. Uh, and Jamie, I've managed to entice Jamie on. He's making his pod debut next oh. week. So um, uh, Jamie's going to come on and talk about uh, all things Texas. Uh, obviously, uh, the Valero Texas Open, the pre-Masters warm-up. So really looking forward to having Jamie on. He's been on a great run of form late. So um, yeah, so um, yeah, it'll be fantastic to have Jamie on next week. Uh, quick recap, Dave. Uh, I've been rabbiting on so much. Everyone's probably forgotten the bet. So remind us uh, who, who you've got for your bets this week. Yeah, just quickly, while, while it, I don't know if you've just been looking at Twitter while we've been doing this. Have you seen Phil Mickelson's Not in the Masters field? Uh, I haven't seen that yet. No, is that just come up? Has it? Um, yeah. is, is that because he said he's not going to play, or um, oh, you know, has he been bad? Who knows? It's um, he's just not in the field. Right. Okay. So that's. So the first time, I think, since 1994 that he's not played. Could, could he's he, removed. I mean... So... He's been removed from the list, so I don't know. Right, okay. Being naughty uh, or what. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Yeah. No, maybe yeah. maybe Augusta have decided that he's not um, uh, behaving in the manner of a past champion. Yes. But, uh, pure speculation, though, obviously. So, yeah, uh... speculation. Anyway, from one Masters winner to another. So um, Patrick Reed is my main selection at 50-1. to 1. And I will be backing him up with Kevin Kistner, also at 50 to 1. And finally, my absolute dart, the Aussie, Lucas Herbert. He's 125 to 1. Okay. And remind us of your tunes, uh, Dave, for the playlist. Yeah. Uh, so my tunes, um, I have gone with um, the Pauper Song by the Monkeys. A reminder to watch Head, the weird monkeys film, if you get a chance. Uh I've also gone for In the Morning by The Coral. I've gone for, um, what else have I gone for? Good Day Sunshine by The Beatles. And there's one more, help me. Oh, Give My Love to Kevin by The Wedding Present. How can yeah. I forget that one, Give My Love to Kevin? That was the most sort of literal some yeah. choices the others were a bit weird well but. i had uh when i picked kevin kisner the first time earlier this season i tipped him earlier this year i put um my perfect cousin by the undertones on in honor of uh i've got a cousin called kevin that's right um, yes. yeah so um, when, they, um when, they, when they rhyme um they rhyme university challenge with cabbage i do <laughs> yeah <that> is, uh, <laughs> um and uh yeah a, a classic tune that one um right and my bets uh three bets uh paul casey 33 to one 
Um, Sergio Garcia, 40 to 1, and Siwoo Kim, 80 to 1. Um, in the match play, all fifth of the odds, first eight. So, need to get to the quarterfinals, all one point each way. Um, over at the Corrales, uh, I've got Grayson Sig and um, Emiliano Grillo, uh, both at 40 to 1. Um, uh, Maxima Grevy is at 80 to 1, and Seth Reeves at 100 to 1. Uh, musically, uh, I've gone with, and this is where I always do what you just did, Dave, and nearly forget what my songs are. Um, I have gone with, he says, double checking Spanish Sahara by the Foles in honor of. Um, Sergio, if you've never heard that track, uh, it's an absolute, um, it's a, yeah, it's a gorgeous track. Um, uh, I've gone with um, Newborn by Muse in honour of um, Emiliano Grillo's Nappy Factor uh, and Glossily by Sigur Ross in honour of Grayson Sig. Uh, and the final tune on this week is uh, The Cure and Snake Pit um, from John Everett. Um, well done again, John, for winning the free bet. So I think, uh, as they say, Dave, that is a wrap. Um, thank you so much for coming on again and being for the second or the first second time guest. Um, remind everyone where they can find your stuff in case they don't know and uh, yeah, where they can check you out. Yeah. Uh, uh, firstly, thanks very much for having me on again. It's uh, been a real pleasure. Um, you can find me at Dave Tyndall Golf on Twitter. Um, I'm not massively prolific on Twitter, I have to say, um, but... There's enough stuff that goes up there that you can have a look at, hopefully, that you might find interesting. So, yeah, that's where to find me, at Dave Tyndall Golf. Brilliant. Uh, and you do stuff for Planet Sport as well, don't you, I think? also you're yeah, Yes, I, I do quite a, a bit for them as well. So, yeah, regular stuff going up uh, uh, for them um, at different parts of the week. So, yeah, that's where to find me. Brilliant. And uh, a 10-year trends piece to look forward to for the Masters in a, in a week or so's time? Yes, that's it. Normally comes out maybe the Wednesday before, so I shall be going over that again and wondering how Deki Matsuyama didn't get picked last year because he seemed to fit every trend, but um, he didn't. Quite, I think he's made it in previous years, but maybe I'm sort of on a, a two year delay, so maybe someone I picked two years ago, maybe Louis who stays and all will be this yeah. year. That's well, for those, for those who haven't seen Dave's 10-year trends pieces, they always come out for the majors and uh, they're, um, they're great pieces, uh, obviously looking at all the profile of past winners and, um, you know, the various pointers and uh, uh, narrowing it down. So it's always an excellent read. So that's one to look forward to in, uh, uh, in a week or so's time. So uh, brilliant, Dave. Um, thank you so much. I think we've managed to get through without the um, dodgy microphones packing up completely. So hopefully it'll sound good to everyone. Uh, good luck, everyone, with the match play, with your bets. Uh, with the Koralas, and um, uh, enjoy the music, and don't forget to turn it up loud. Thank you very much, and uh, see everyone again next week. Bye for now.